The following audio has been brought to you by Word of Grace Community Church. For more information about Word of Grace, visit wogcc.com. Well, good morning, Word of Grace. I want to start off this morning by apologizing to you because I am quite uh, a bit under the weather. So um, I did feel that it was important to come and share this message with you today. Um, So forgive me if I'm uh, not as friendly and shaking hands and whatnot. Um, I'm also not going to be participating in actually baptizing people today. I thought that'd be wise. Um, So uh, please don't take offense to that. I just want to ask for your grace and understanding in that. A couple weeks ago, our staff went to the Abbey at St. Norbert's, and we do this annually. And we went there for spiritual retreat for three days. And when we went there, um, I knew I had a vacation coming up. And because of that vacation, I wanted to go ahead and prepare my message for this week. And um, because we were going to be getting back from vacation on Friday. And uh, I wouldn't have enough time to prepare, and I didn't want to prepare a message on vacation. My wife wouldn't have been too fond of that. Um, But as I was preparing the message, God just put this huge burden on me as we were at the Abbey to actually preach this message to the staff. And so we all gather together every night and kind of decompress what God has been sharing with us when we're at the Abbey every evening. And before we started doing our normal sharing that we do in the evening, I asked him, I said, hey guys, I have a weird request. Um, Is it okay if I preach my sermon to you? And they were all kind of like, really? Like, we hear you, like, all the time. (laughs) And I kind of got that vibe from them. And and I was like, well, I actually feel like God wants me to share this. Because I was so overwhelmed with what God had revealed to me about himself as I was studying and preparing. And I am so excited about the fact our church is going through this Real God campaign. And I have heard so many testimonies of just life-changing stuff that God is doing in and amongst our church family through either a community group or through something that was uh, uh, revealed to you through a weekend service or whatever the case may be. But let me tell you, folks, we have to stay focused on not only knowing who God is, and knowing who God is is very important because we believe that you know what we think about God is the most important thing about us, But let us also not neglect experiencing who God is. It's one thing to know Him. It's another thing to experience Him. And so I want today to be one of those moments where the Holy Spirit of God and the Word of God are combined in such a powerful way to you today and to everyone watching online, everyone out in the commons area, to where you not only learn about God, but that you have an encounter with God today. As we talk about the holiness of God, I, I, I wouldn't dare go a step further before we pray. So would you join your head, but, but, would you join me in prayer by bowing your head? Even if you're online, I know some of you may be at home today. You may be watching the kids or you may have a sick little one. Could you just calm everybody down? Could you just eliminate the distractions, please? And let's just take a moment and let's go before the Lord in prayer. Dear gracious and heavenly Father, we come before you today in awe and in gratitude of who you are. Why should we gain from Your reward, Jesus, we cannot give an answer, but this we know with all of our heart, that your wounds have paid our ransom. Let us not forget as we pursue you that we're not pursuing you to know more practical how-tos, but we're pursuing to know the very one who has created us and loved us and who has bought us with a price. I pray that, Lord, today will not just be an educational time together, where we learn more academia and where we learn more about you. But Lord, we would also encounter your very holiness today in such a way that it would radically transform our lives, that it would shape us and change us, that it would shake us to the core, Lord, to where this would be a day, this would be a moment where something shifts in eternity 
where something shifts in our family, where something shifts in our marriage, when something shifts in our thinking, when something shifts in our church family. May today be a day that impacts eternity. And Lord, we come humbly before you. And God, I I just ask you for the grace and strength to be able to preach and speak this message with the clarity that only your Holy Spirit can give. I ask for your anointing to be able to anoint me to do what I cannot do physically, what I cannot think of in my own capacity, but what only you can deliver, what you can only share. And so, Father, we humbly come before you and we say this is your day. We are your people. This is your message. This is your church. And we thank you and give you all the glory for what's going to be said and done in this place today. In Jesus' name, amen. How we see God reveals the most important thing about us. We know that God is good and we know that He is sovereign, as Scripture says. But Scripture also says that He is holy. Today we're going to look at Scripture to give us a healthier view of God concerning His holiness. So what do you think of when you hear that word, when you hear that word holy? What comes to mind when you think about holiness? Do you think of giant cathedrals, people in robes? Do you think of weeping at an altar? Do you maybe think of moral purity? Do you think of an extreme perfectionism, like this unobtainable pursuit The word holy simply means set apart, a cut above, different, distinct. And here's the thing about God's holiness that we have to grasp. We cannot define God's holiness with the limits of our understanding. We can't. We can't define God's holiness within the limits of our understanding because He is absolute perfection. Nothing in our world is absolutely perfect, amen? Nothing in our world is absolutely perfect. God is in a completely different category that you and I simply cannot comprehend, and it would be foolish and arrogant for us to think that we could. Everything He does and everything He is is absolutely perfect in a way that you and I cannot define the word perfect. And when humans encounter the holiness of God, we really only get a glimpse of God's holiness. We only get just a sneak peek. We only get just a little view of his holiness. And the typical predictable pattern of humans seeing a glimpse of God's holiness is always recognizing how imperfect and unholy and unrighteous compared to God that they actually are. And we're going to see that throughout Scripture. Let's go over to Isaiah chapter 6. Let's look at Isaiah encountering the very presence, the the holiness, the the magnificence of God. Isaiah chapter 6. We're going to look at what the prophet says as he has an encounter with the holiness of God. Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, woe is me, for I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Stop right there. So here Isaiah has this vision of God. This encounter with God. And you would think he would be like, oh, it's God. Oh, this is amazing. This is so great. You would think his natural response would be, wow. But it wasn't wow. It was whoa. And not like, whoa. Like, whoa. (laughs) 
It was, woe is me. That's what Isaiah says in response to seeing God. Now think about that. Think about the response to seeing God, who, who has his face covered, he's got wings covering, he's got his feet covered, he, he's flying around, and these flying beings are just shouting out and proclaiming the holiness of God. And then instead of being freaked out by that, instead of going, this is super cool, or wow, isn't God so amazing? He goes, woe is me. And it exposes this sinfulness in Isaiah. He even calls out his own sin. He says, I am a man of unclean lips. I have no right to be able to speak on behalf of God. Who in the world am I to be able to do this? Oh man, woe is me. He is holy. And Isaiah caught this. And then he says, in verse 6, then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, behold, this has touched your lips, and your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, here I am, send me. And he said, go and say this to my people. And then he tells them what all he wants them to hear from the Lord. Listen, it is a good thing. Hear me. It is a good thing to be undone in the presence of a holy God. It is a good thing. This was not a mistake on Isaiah's part. This was a good thing in the life of Isaiah. It was a turning point. It was a recognition of the holiness of God that forever changed his life. Go over to Luke chapter 5. Let's look at something in the life of Christ. Luke chapter 5 <coughs> and verse 1. Luke chapter 5 and verse 1. We're going to read through verse 11 of Luke chapter 5, verse 1 through 11. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Genesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them, and they were washing their nets. So in other words, they were done fishing for the day. They're washing their nets, all right? We're done. We're hanging it up. We're ready to go home. Verse 3, getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and you remember Simon was also called Peter, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Hey, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, like, like okay, like you know teaching, right? I know fishing, all right? Like I'm the pro here. He's like, you, you do what you do and I'll do what I do. You teach, you're awesome at that, I'm the fisherman. He says, we've been fishing all night. We just cleaned all this mess. We know it's not a good day. It, we just didn't have a good day fishing. He said, and you want us to go and, and, <laughs> and do this again? Master, we toiled all night, we took nothing. He says, but at your word, I'm going to let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come help them. How crazy is that? And they came and filled both of the boats and the boats full, they began to sink. That's a lot of fish, man. But when Simon Peter saw it, when he saw all of these fish coming in and these boats sinking because there were so many fish, even though it was a really bad day for fishing, he didn't go, whoa, look at all these fish, man. This is great. You know how much money we're going to make on this? Oh, man, I'm going to be able to buy my mom a new house. Oh, this is going to be great. I'm going to be able to get the deluxe camel version, you know, to ride through town. One with the shiny hooves and the really high humps. It's going to be great. 
He didn't go on thinking those things like you and I. If we, if we saw just a lot of money start coming in our bank account, we're thinking about what we can get or what we can buy or what we can do with that. He's not even thinking about the fish. The fish became irrelevant in that moment. Think about this. You're a fisherman. This is your thing, man. This is your thing. This is the thing you do every day. And you have never seen a catch like this in your life. And the day that you encounter the holiness of God and you see something you've never seen before, the fish became so irrelevant that what happened? Simon Peter fell at Jesus' knees, verse 8, and he said, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. He didn't say, Hey, so what you doing tomorrow? He said, depart from me. He didn't, say, he didn't say, I want you to hang out with me more. He said, go away. I can't be around you. Why did he say he couldn't be around Jesus? Because he said, I am a sinful man. He realized the holiness of God in the flesh in that moment to the point to where he said, I, I can't be around this, man. I can't do this. And then how did Jesus respond? For all who heard him were astonished with the catch of fish that they had taken. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And then Jesus says to Simon, do not be afraid. So he was afraid. He says, but now on, instead of catching fish, you're going to be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything. And they followed Jesus. We always talk about the presence of God being the warm fuzzies. But when you read scripture, when people were in the presence of God, catching a glimpse of who he truly is, they weren't experiencing the warm fuzzies, and they were undone. Let's look at one more instance. Go over to the book of Revelation, chapter 1. One more instance. Because some could argue, and they could say, well, pastor, you know, those people weren't yet truly born again. Okay, well, let's go find someone who was born again. Someone who had the Spirit of God living on the inside of them. Revelation chapter 1. And let's look at verse 17. Now, John, the disciple who Jesus loved, is exiled on the Isle of Patmos, okay, living out the rest of his days to die. And he's more than likely being exiled because of preaching the gospel, sharing the truth about Jesus. And here he is, exiled on this island, and Jesus appears to him and begins to tell him things that are going to happen, is giving him all this information to be able to write down both of things that are coming and also diagnostic things to deal with seven churches that were along a mail route that he addresses each church and what they're doing good, what they're not doing good, what they need to improve. And he begins to write these letters as instructed by Jesus himself. And so this is that first encounter where John begins to receive this revelation from Jesus. Now, hang on. Before we read this, think about this. All right? Let's just wrap our minds around this. John, the disciple Jesus loved is what Scripture calls him. Well, John wrote the gospel and calls himself that. So I don't know how... You know, I mean, if I wrote, you know, if there was a book of Derek in the Bible, it'd be Derek, the disciple Jesus loved. I don't know. But anyways, uh, but, but nonetheless, John was called the disciple Jesus loved, right? As a matter of fact, he charged John with taking care of Mary when he was on the cross. He tells John, he said, this is now your mother. Like, you're going to take care of my mother, right? And John, very close, very, very close to Jesus, Part of Jesus' inner circle, right? It'd been personally with Jesus, laughed with Jesus, cried over his, over his death, rejoiced over his, over his resurrection, seen miracles performed. You would think if anyone was comfortable with Jesus, it would be John, right? If anyone would be like super stoked and jazzed to see Jesus, it would be John because he knows Jesus, right? It's like, hey, it's you. You're back. Woohoo! But what happens? 
in Revelation 1, verse 17. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as a dead man. But he laid his right hand on me and said, Fear not, for I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. I have the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, the things that you have seen, those that are those that have to take place after this. And so he begins to tell him all these things to write down. But before he gave him all this revelation, and when he showed up on the scene, what did John do? He was like, oh, man. He fell down on his face like a dead man. And he was afraid. Otherwise, Jesus wouldn't have told him to fear not. He said, don't be afraid. It's me. Now I want you to write these things down. So even the disciple Jesus loved, a born-again new believer, when John encountered the glorified Christ, he fell down like a dead man because God's holiness demands that we see him as he is. God's holiness demands that we see him as he is. Think about the Ten Commandments for a second. Think about the Ten Commandments. What are the first three commandments? Those first few commandments, what do they really deal with? They were about the holiness of God. First one, you shall have no other gods before me. You should not worship idols. You shouldn't take my name in vain. Why not? Because he is holy. And when we get a glimpse of his holiness, it should cause us like Peter, like Isaiah, and like John to be overwhelmed. To be overwhelmed by his perfection and by our lack of perfection. It should help make up the awe that we have of who he is. I think that when we talk about awe, when we talk about being in awe of God, a lot of times we think about being in awe of God because of what he's done. Lord, we're in awe of the fact that you would send your son to die on the cross for us and to forgive us of our sin. And we're in awe of that fact that you did this thing. And that's great. And what he has done for you should be a part of what makes up your awe. But there's this other part that should make up our awe of him that is just simply who he is regardless of what he's ever done. Because who he is is holy. The fact that he has done things for us, that should just rock our world and blow our mind and send us in a further place of awe of this amazing and awesome and perfect God. He is holy. When we get a glimpse of his holiness, it should cause us to be in awe. And in every one of these instances where people caught a glimpse of his holiness, what was the response of God? How did God respond once every one of those individuals were shaken to the core, saw their sin, were like, get away, oh no, I'm going to die, <laughs> woe is me get away from me. All these responses when they saw the holiness of God. How did God respond? Yeah, you're right. You better get away from me. That's not how God responded, is it? How did God respond? Both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. How did Jesus respond? You want to know the heart of God? Look at Jesus. How did Jesus respond when someone caught a glimpse of the holiness of God? Let's look at Isaiah. What happened? Woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. I, shouldn't have, I, I, I have seen the, the holiness of God. He says, don't worry. I'm going to send an angel to take this coal, and I'm going to forgive your sins. I'm going to cleanse your lips, and now I want you to go speak on my behalf. I'm looking for someone to go. Is there anyone who will go? Yeah, here I am. Send me. He gave him mission. He, he, he forgave him of his sin. He, he dealt with the very thing that needed to be dealt with in that moment after he saw a glimpse of his holiness, and then he put him on mission. And from that, he gave him his life's greatest purpose. Isaiah received his life's greatest purpose after being in awe of the holiness of God and catching that glimpse of the holiness of God. Look at Peter. Peter, get away from me. I'm a dead man. Uh, get away from me. I'm unclean. I'm unworthy. Get away from me. I don't even care about the fish. I recognize, I recognize you're holy. Peter, don't be afraid. From now on, you're going to be fishers of men. 
He gave him mission. He gave him purpose. He said, you see me, you see who I am, you've recognized it, and you've seen your own sinfulness, yes, but don't be afraid. Instead, I want you to go and live out the greatest single mission and purpose for your life that you've ever received. John, on the Isle of Patmos, here he is isolated, probably wondering what more can I do for God? I'm, I, I'm ostracized from interacting with people. I, I can't go and evangelize anymore. I can't go and share the gospel with anyone anymore. I don't know what I can do. I'm here all alone. And Jesus comes before him. He falls down his face like a dead man. Whoa! Jesus says, don't be afraid. Now I'm going to give you your life's greatest mission. I want you to write down all these things that are going to happen. And here's what I want you to tell these churches. And here's what I want you to tell them about me coming back. He gives them his life's greatest purpose. In every one of those instances, he said, you're forgiven. Don't be afraid. Be on mission. God's holiness calls us to repentance and mission. That's what it does. God's holiness calls us to repentance and mission. This is the real God. And we may not like it. We may not want God to be that way. We may want him to be different, but tough. That's who he is. He is holy. He is holy. Go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Let's look at this real quick. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, over in verse 18. Scripture says, flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. He's saying here that the reason that God wants us to be sexually pure is because your body is now the temple of the holy God. He bought you. He purchased you back from certain damnation because he's holy and because now you belong to him. And he's saying, now that you belong to me, I want you to be holy as I am holy. So how do we accomplish being holy because we do still sin? How do we know when we are holy? Well, let's deal with that because there's really three aspects of holiness. The first is justification. 1 Peter 2 and 9 says, You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Justification is a legal term. It refers to your legal standing with God. This is righteousness, or right standing is what that word righteousness means. Jesus has put us in right standing with our holy God by what he did on the cross. Justification happens at the moment that your eyes are open to the truth of your need for a Savior, and Jesus being the answer to that need, and then you reach out to him, and because you belong to God, you are holy. Now, there's another piece to this. The second piece to being holy is sanctification. Sanctification is the journey of a born-again follower of Jesus who is pursuing holiness. We pursue holiness because we want to reflect our God to this world. In holiness dwell all of the best things in life. I want you to think about that. When we pursue holiness, when we pursue living in, in a way that would please and honor God, really in that way of living are all of the best things in life. Now, the world has a counterfeit to all of the best things that God has to offer. And the world would say, these things are just as good, but it's false. Have you ever found that to be true? Where we have maybe tasted of that forbidden fruit, of those temptations that we gave into because we thought that, what, that that pathway would get us quicker to where we wanted to go and it only ended up really not being quite the fulfillment and bringing the joy we thought it would. Or maybe it just brought a temporary thing that quickly faded. I think we've all experienced that to some measure. And so the world has a counterfeit of this. But really, in living a holy life are all of the best things. Everything else is a knockoff brand. Sanctification is the renewing of the mind. That's us talking about changing the way we think 
Because even though we may be saved in our spirit and God may have made us his own, bought us with a price, we are now the temple of the holy living spirit of God on the inside of us, we still have to understand that we've got to change the way we think. We've got to change the way we think, and that comes through the washing of the water of the Word of God. This is why scripture meditation and reading is so important to the maturation process of a believer. If we're going to be mature believers, if we're going to take our faith seriously this year, like we said that we want to grow in and we want to focus on as a church, we have to be people who are putting scripture in front of us. That's why memorizing it is so important. I would encourage you to pick a scripture to memorize, even if you just do one a week. Get the Word of God inside of you, not to check a box, not to say, oh, look at how many scriptures I know, but to actually think and dwell on the meaning, to think and dwell what is God saying, and to have that Word hidden in your heart so that you might not sin against God, but that you can live in a way that will please and honor and glorify Him. Hebrews 12 and 4 says, strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. The writer of Hebrews says to strive for peace and to strive for holiness. We're supposed to pursue this. So we are holy, and we are also growing in holiness. Positionally, we are holy in the eyes of God because He bought us. He, he made us holy. He cleansed us. He took the coal. He cleansed us. He washed us with the precious blood of Jesus. But we're also growing in holiness through renewing our mind, through crucifying that flesh. Glorification is the third and final piece of holiness that we will eventually experience when we are brought face to face with him. It's the final culmination of everything Jesus bought and paid for on the cross. And 1 John uh, 3 and 2 explains this by saying, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. So we are something, but there's something that we also will be one day. But we know that when it, he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. So one day we will be holy, perfected in every way. So we are holy, we are growing in holiness, and we will be holy. It's kind of like owning a home. Have you ever bought a home before? Yeah? If you've bought a home, you've gone through this process where you signed your name and you went through a mound of paperwork that was ridiculous. And you thought that you, you didn't even know you, you, you could sign your name that many times to where you're like, man, I could be a pretty good doctor with this handwriting. I've signed so much. It's just lazy signatures over and over again. But when you're done with that transaction, do you tell people that you own a home? Yeah, I, I, I bought a house. Are, are you legally responsible for that home after you sign all those papers. Yes, legally, that home is yours, but you're still making payments to the bank or to the lending institution. And as you're making payments, you're also, every payment you make, you're growing in owning that home, but you own the home. Are you following me? And one day after you're through making payments, you will own the home, but you still own the home. You understanding? So you are wholly justified positionally in the eyes of God, but we are growing in renewing the mind. We are growing in crucifying the flesh. We are growing in reflecting the holiness of God to a watching world. And one day we will be made perfect just like him as everything culminates. Just like one day you won't have payments anymore and you'll just own the home, but you still own the home. And I hope that helps you to understand positionally we are God's perfect, chosen, holy people that he has, he has made us righteous in his eyes, but we're still growing. We're still growing. We're still wanting to reflect that goodness. We're wanting to reflect God's holiness. And we do that by pursuing, as Hebrews said, to strive for this thing. But then also, as John said in 1 John, that one day striving's going to cease and we're just going to be made perfect just like he's perfect after we see him for who he really is. Where we're not just catching a glimpse anymore. Where we're not just looking through a, a mirror dimly. Where we're not just seeing a, a piece of God's holiness in moments. Where we're not having momentary encounters, but when we full bore, full blown, we see him for who he is. 
And then Scripture says we will be made like Him when we see Him face to face. What a day that will be. What the holiness of God demands, the love of God provides. I want you to get that in your heart today. Would you do me a favor? Would you you write that down? I mean, write that statement down. What the holiness of God demands, the love of God provides. Because I don't want you to walk away from this teaching today feeling like God doesn't love you. Or feeling like God is far removed from you because even though he is holy, he's close. Isn't that a crazy thought? Even though he is holy, he's still close because what he is demanding from us and requiring from us as his holy people, his love provides. So he's not setting you up to fail. Isn't that good news? That he's not setting you up to fail, that what he's asked you to do, that his love is going to help you accomplish that in one way or another as we pursue him. What the holiness of God demands, the love of God provides. He loved you first. He chose you. He welcomed you. He died for you. He set this thing in motion. He is holy. He's not the man upstairs. Can we stop calling him that? He's not the man upstairs. He's not your homeboy. He's not the God of bumper stickers, jewelry, and statues. He is holy. He is holy. And to live in holiness, we have to be intentional with it. It's not just something we drift into. To live in holiness is intentional. And and you can write these down. And as you read the chapter on holiness in the real God, I actually took this portion of the message from the book where it says to live in holiness is intentional. One, it's a commitment we make. It is a way that we think. It is a command we obey. And it is an attitude that we develop. We don't just drift into this thing. We don't just slide into this thing and one day, oh, yay, look, we're, we're living holy lives. Woo, I'm so grateful for that. No, it's intentional. Obedience to God's word is what's required in order to live out holiness. There is peace. There is joy. There is contentment. Because it's a pathway to knowing God more. So today, God, refine me. Refine me today, Lord. I repent. I want to change. I want to be more like you. Expose to me and reveal to me the things in my life that are... Man, they're just not like you. Help me see those things and not not try to justify those things. Not try to to say, well, you know, compare myself to other people. I'm not not that bad. No, but oh. Oh, can we stop doing that? Can I stop doing that? Can we stop using our, our tenure in Christianity, it's some sort of metal that we wear around our necks. Oh, I've been a Christian for so many years. Can we stop wearing our accomplishments around our neck? Oh, I, I, I went through catechism and now oh, I did so good and I answered all the questions right. I didn't even get one wrong. Can we stop wearing all of our accomplishments of, oh, I, I, I didn't do this and, and my, my friends, boy, they got into all this trouble and I, I didn't do these things and I'm such a good Christian. Can we leave all of that behind and say, Jesus, I still just need you. Forgive me for allowing even the good things that I've done in life to become prideful. Things that I've held onto and I've actually used to build a pedestal that I've set myself on to look down at others. Lord, let any good that I've done point people to you. Let any good that has come out of me, that has come out of a wretch like me who can be so stinking selfish, and so prideful, and so self-absorbed, 
that Lord, somehow, somehow, some way, I don't get it. You've cleansed me. You, you've, you've taken that coal. You've cleansed me. Not even worthy to stand up here and share your word, but somehow you said this is what you want me to do. You're so good. You're so sovereign. You're so righteous. You're so holy. Help us to catch a glimpse of that today in a way that will radically change us. Expose and reveal to me the things that are unlike you, the thoughts that I think, Lord, the things I say, the entertainment choices that I've made, the way I manage my finances, the way I love my spouse, the way I raise my kids. All of those things in my life, Lord, the way I treat other people, man, the way I think about myself, the way I think about others, the way I think about you, Lord. My attitude towards the local church, my attitude towards others who offend me and who have done me wrong. You are so holy. I pray that today we do more than just learn things about you. I pray that we catch a glimpse of your holiness here today and that it changes us radically forever. We worship you today. I want us to spend the next few moments just worshiping our holy God. If you want to stand, stand. If you want to kneel, kneel. If you want to come down to the front and make an altar, you can do that. If you want to turn around in your chair and make an altar, you can do that. If you're watching at home and you just want to kneel right there at the coffee table, I don't care. Whatever you want to do, make it weird, man. Grab the hand of your spouse and just kneel down on the floor together right there. If you're watching at an army base in Michigan, I want you to kneel down right where you're at, brother. Worship God. He's holy. You are so holy, Lord. Let's worship him together, church. Let's sing, Are You Hurting? Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Jesus is calling. Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for the drink from the well? Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. These are the words of our Lord. Leave behind your regrets and mistakes. Come today, there's no reason to wait. Jesus is calling. Bring your sorrows and trade them for joy. From the ashes a new life is born. Jesus is calling. Oh, oh come to the altar, the Father's
just sing this bridge all together. And let's just sing in awe of his greatness. Oh, what a Savior, isn't he wonderful? Sing hallelujah, Christ is God, to want to pursue you, to know you more. To seek you first. We honor you, Jesus. God, you are so good. You are so holy. this moment, I, I don't I don't know who needs this. I don't know if the whole church needs this. I don't know if it's just for one person. I don't know. But I feel the Holy Spirit of God impressing me to do something that we normally don't do here at Word of Grace, but is very biblical and very scriptural. The Holy Spirit gives gifts to people. And the Holy Spirit uses people in different ways. And every one of you have gifts from the Holy Spirit. And they're different kind of gifts. Sometimes God uses people to give um, a word from the Lord that he puts on their heart. That is for the edification of the church. And um, it doesn't mean that person that does that is any more spiritual or any more significant than another person. Just means that's their gift and that's how God uses them. And we want to do things decently in an order and a way that will honor and glorify God. And I just feel like that, uh, that God's given somebody a word for the church. And I was just going to ask uh, Miss Pat, has God given you a word today for the church? Would you come and share it? I just felt the Lord putting that on my heart. Stephen, would you give the microphone to Pat as she comes? Just meet her down there. Church, just listen with an open heart. Whatever God's put on your heart, Pat. This is what the Lord says to you. He said, I love you. You are all my children. Your sins don't stand in the way. 
The blood of Jesus has washed you. You are clean and you are pure. Come to me. Don't hide. I love you more than anything. My love covers everything. You are my chosen. Come to me. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. Thank you. Can we stand today, church? Can we just give God thanks today for his love? Perfect love casts out all fear. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your holiness. Thank you for your spirit, Lord. Thank you for your comfort. Thank you for your healing. Thank you for your presence. Thank you. Thank you for doing what only you can do. Thank you for moving people's hearts to be obedient to the voice of your spirit. Thank you, Jesus. We don't want to leave this place chained to any... We don't want to leave this place chained to our past. We don't want to leave this place chained to fear. We want to walk out today free and different. Different because of your holiness. Because of your goodness. Because of your mercy. Because of your faithfulness. Because of your holiness. May today be a day where somebody becomes a born-again new believer in Christ because they have confessed Jesus as their Lord and Savior and they have believed in their heart and they have repented from their sin and said, Lord, forgive me, cleanse me. I want to be your son. I want to be your daughter. Maybe somebody watching online, maybe you stumbled across this. Maybe a friend invited you. I don't know. God can use that. Submit to that. Do business with God right now in your living room, in your bedroom, wherever you're watching. If you're in the commons, don't disconnect because it may be a little bit more casual of an environment because God is no less holy out in the commons as he is here in this auditorium. God is no less holy in your living room as he is here in this auditorium. He is still holy. He is still good. He is still the real God who cares about what's going on in your life. So Lord, we thank you for what you're doing in our church. Thank you for how you're using us to reach people for your kingdom. We want to live in a way that honors and glorifies you. Help us to do that because we can't do it in our own strength. We need you. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Word of Grace. For more sermons or any other information, visit wogcc.com.